Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, do me a favor. Jump right off the bat. Go go to iTunes if you're subscribed on iTunes. If you're if you're getting me on iTunes, do me a favor and try to try to leave a review. If you can leave a review, that helps the podcast out huge. Uh, go to Facebook and like the page. Average Joe's Above Average Beer Podcast. You can find me on Twitter and Untapped at uh, at Joe Bob four one J O E B O B four one. You can do all the other things like uh, Instagram. Instagram, I like to post pictures of the beers that I'm drinking. I like to see pictures of other people's beers they're drinking. I'll post, uh, when I when I upload a new podcast, I'll throw pictures from that podcast uh, up there. So you can get me there at uh, Average Joe's uh, Beer Podcast. That's my name on Instagram. It's pretty easy to find me. Um, yeah, that, that gets all that out of the way. And you can always get the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and, and all kinds of other avenues where podcasts can be had. This episode was gigantic uh it doesn't get much bigger than that in the city of chicago and like a real real chicago brand um half acre gabriel magliaro was he awesome uh, it was an hour and a half of pure goodness the dude just gets it and he has an amazing backstory and half acre i mean w- when have you gone long without having a daisy cutter uh, it's just such a Chicago institution. It's such a great place. We even got to, uh, we even got serenaded during the podcast uh, by his brew crew. Uh, we were over at the uh, Balmoral uh, Tap Room. They were closed, but they were they were working. Man, they don't they don't mess around just because they're closed doesn't mean there's not work going on there. You're gonna love this one. I promise you. This this dude is just salt to the earth, top notch. Treated me great, and the crew was great. And I think you're just really gonna enjoy this one. So, here's Half Acre. Hey, what's up? It's Joe. Got another episode for you of Average Joe's Above Average Beer Podcast. I'm sitting in the uh, in the back of the Balmoral Balmoral Tap Room for Half Acre with the man uh, Gabriel. Gabriel, say hello to everybody. Introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. <laughs> uh, as Joe said, my name is Gabriel. I'm the co-founder of Half Acre Beer Company. I guess president. I don't know. Point man. I've used that. What's on the card? Does it change? It hasn't changed in a long time. It, it does say president. Um, I've never felt completely comfortable with that term. Weird, uh, huh? Yeah. I actually, you know, if you look at my, my email signature, there's nothing there. Um, I'm going to go with that. That's actually not a bad idea. Just leave it. Leave it. Call it what you will, right? Call it what you will. But you're kind of the the idea man behind this whole thing, right? Years ago, you decided, like, I can do this. We can do this. Uh, I definitely decided... I would try to do this, and uh, yeah, I've been been running from failure ever since. <laughs> running from failure—that's a good way to look at it. Well, it feels kind of successful when I'm sitting in here, but I mean, that's what ten, twelve years ago. You're talking. Yeah, it's um, yeah for me, it's over over twelve years. Uh, we have a new like human resources um software that we use at half acre and it like will give you your length oh of service God. down to the day every time you log into it and i don't know what that you know count is right now but it's it's more than 12 years i know that it sounds super corporate now seeing <laughs> yeah it does sound the that old way software system yeah we're, we're utilizing corporate tools to say totally not corporate yeah, yeah exactly so nonconformist. you're going to conform at this point <laughs> Oh man, this is a, this is a great space. I haven't been to it yet. The Balmoral Tap Room, uh, the one on Lincoln, still still uh, threshing it out as well. Um, 
How do you deal with two of them? Um, you know, it feels pretty natural at this point. In when it just started, we it was a shock. You know, it was Lincoln was, uh, and and in a lot of ways still is um, half acre, and but it it the scale of it. You know, we knew long before we we got this place that it wouldn't serve in total our, our needs ongoing so we had to do something um, by the time we got around to buying this building and and walking our s- staff members over here um, bringing them in here and showing them what we did um, it was like that moment unraveled a lot of other moments of you know, excitement and panic and, uh, and learning how to define half acre in these, in these two ways. I mean, back when you got the Lincoln, the Lincoln taproom open, I mean, did you know right away, like we're outgrowing this thing or was that like down the road somewhere? Well, we, you know, we were open as a brewery there. We, we built there in 08 in 2008 after having contracted beer before then. Um, and the first in 2009, we opened our store there. So we didn't have a tap room there and actually like, I'm going to sit down and have a pint of beer here until 2012. So, okay. Yeah. Um, but once we were brewing beer there and we had just opened our store, it was pretty soon thereafter that I was like, all right, like some, some shit is happening here. I sense something here. Yeah, things feel good. Like people are are showing up and and demonstrating a level of care that we exist, and um, and it you know it it traveled from there in a positive direction. And but I, I wouldn't say that was the moment where it was like, oh, you know, we're gonna grow out of this. It was it was probably later, maybe like 2011. That it was like, I can, now I I can see a place where this building is not going to meet our needs long-term. And there was sort of like a calling to, uh, to grow beyond those walls, which wasn't always, always clear. But then I was like, I know, uh, now I know why uh, we will need another brewery, and there's good reasoning for that. So was the original plan like, okay, we're going to open a space, we're going to get a space going, we're going to brew some beer, we're going to distribute some beer. Was that, was that kind of the original thought process? Uh I think our business plan was a little bit longer than what you just said, but oh, not much, it. not much longer. You know, I oh, think, okay. Okay. I think probably that, that was about, yeah, that was about as fully formed, uh, the, uh, that the ideas were then. And you got to remember that when, when we were, when we first started, there wasn't really a successful, like, sure. You, you, you start a brewery and, you know, there's this eight-step process, and you know, it wasn't like a screaming successful business model in general. There was yeah. actually a ton of reasons why you should not start a brewery. <laughs> well, there's no, there's really not that much of a blueprint at that point. I mean, people have to realize what dates we're talking about here. Yeah, there was yeah. goose. Uh, yeah. They were like, oh, those guys are successful. They're good. Could you go ahead and prop prop up the back of that a little bit? Push the this, yeah, just towards your face a little more. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, go ahead. You're saying Goose is kind of like a partial blueprint. So I'm like, hey, they well, did they, they were they were a demonstration that you could rise 
um, sort of out of the out of the nothing to become a successful local brewer. But in between Goose and that period of time when we started, there was a lot of failures um, or enough failures and almost completely that's all there was was failures that uh, it was like, oh, you know, the the system was so embedded at that point and it was designed for other ways of doing business, larger industrial producers, uh, the way distribution worked. Everything then said, this is probably not a great idea. So you just ignored all the signs. You're like, eh. I mean, I didn't know as much then. You know, looking back, I was like, God, that was a terrible idea probably at the time. Um, or, you know, you could make the argument that it was it was the, the perfect time. Because Genius. Yeah. yeah. I know and, you don't want to pat I'm, yourself on the back too much. But. I'm not going to yeah, pat myself on the back. And I, you know, we weren't idiots, but we weren't geniuses. Uh, that's, that's for sure. Um, I felt like I had enough of the, the qualities to like make us give it a solid go. Um, but there was no like real, as you, you know, what the word you use blueprint that said, as long as you accomplish X, Y, and Z, you'll, you'll be fine. Now, were you a Chicago kid or you, you grew up around East, here? East coast, East coast, East coast. Yeah. I grew up in, um, well, born in the Florida Keys and then, um, spent the bulk of my childhood in New Jersey, sort of more rural New Jersey. How long were you in the Keys? That's kind of a place that would fascinate me to be born, like live there. Yeah, not a lot of people are born in Key West, Florida, but yeah, that's where I was born. I lived there until I was like three, um, but I always spent a lot of time there growing up, and I'm actually about, I go back there in like two weeks for my 40th birthday. Family vacation type stuff? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, my yeah, college so roommate, his his wife has, has a resort down there in the, oh, in the wow. Keys, so his, his aunt, or her aunt, and so they're down, they were just down there. He just sending me videos and stuff from there. I mean, it's an amazing place, but so to grow up there and kind of, well, I mean, you said till you're three, but you have a bunch of memories there still. Oh, yeah. I mean, we would, every year I, sp- I had spent considerable time there, um, so it's a big part of my childhood, but I grew up in New Jersey and... Um, you know, graduate high school there and did some some schooling there before moving to Colorado. And that's sort of where I got like turned on to to beer and really like breweries, like what goes on there. That was very. Yeah. What was your first like insight into that? You just visit a microbrewery or like did you have friends well, in the industry? Well, there's a ton or? of at the at in late 90s. There were still a good amount of pu- there were a good amount of pubs there. Um, and a good amount of production breweries. Um, but I'd say Avery was the first one that I sort of got a, a behind the scenes look at. Yeah, they're still killing it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're still, you know, a very successful and, and, um, and, and growing brewery. But they were rough and tumble back then, and it was like, it was a total turn on for me just sort of seeing the dynamics that it, you know, it was about the beer, but it was, it was so much more about the place and all that surrounded the the process of making beer the com- you know the, the camaraderie like of a cultural thing almost like, yeah okay. yeah yeah i was a i was blowing glass in colorado explain uh, what, what you mean when you say you're blowing you're just random like what kind of stuff is it i Art did pieces actual I, I did i did both what's called soft glass which is like offhand glass blowing so more traditional stuff that you'd imagine, vases, large bowls, 
um, you know, plateware, that sort of thing, which I was trained to do um, in school. And then I also did, uh, you know, borosilicate Pyrex work. I don't know what you just said. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But think pipes and bongs. Nice. Yeah. So I did a lot of those things too. Picturing like 311 right now, I feel like. <laughs> graphics yeah. bongs. Oh, uh, yeah. Graphics. <laughs> I owned graphics bongs, but I did not make. You did not I make did, I never worked for graphics. Did you ever make your own? You you always made your own then? Or like, no, like no, no. How no, do you no. get into that? Like, what, what, what was um, like, well, How did that become passion? I went to school for the traditional side. On the borosilicate side, I, I first taught myself in my bedroom and then. In Colorado is really where I learned good practices for that style of, I mean, it's like a scientific, borosilicate is used in the science industries to make, you know, beakers and real right. heat right. resistant. High end, like, yeah, that's yeah. Really complex glasses. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. But I just, I just wondered, like, how, what, what would even spark that in a kid at 15, 16, 17 to be like, I used to get in a lot of trouble in, in high school and the dean of students turned me on to I was always in a lot of art classes you know I I went to art school for college I have a BFA and but he turned me on to stained glass um as a way to an outlet almost yeah you know it was like building camaraderie between the two of us I wouldn't be such an asshole (laughs) and he was uh, better than he knew oh no he was great yeah I, I you know he deserves a uh thank you on my part but he retired <laughs> I, I would i would uh track him down and say yeah, thanks. right that's amazing though i mean it's not a lot of st- it's not the story that you hear mostly from people like, yeah well so i was in colorado blowing glass for a while like, so then that scene just kind of sucked you in huh once you started seeing like what it went into the beer and the passion behind it yeah and and like the the culture of breweries which today is still uh the thing that rings the loudest for me I mean, that's, I can speak to that. That's it. This industry's got me hooked in the last seven, eight years of just seeing the people in it. I mean, the people are amazing. Beer people are ridiculous. And I know the culture keeps changing a little bit here and there, but at the base of it, it to me, it feels like just great people. That's uh, a lot has changed since uh, well, since the late '90s, and a lot has changed since Half Acre started. Um, but I can say that is still such a, a huge um defining quality that um that exists in in brewing and that is good people flock to it um and generally people build breweries that that resonate around that that idea that like responsibility doesn't have to suck and like you can (laughs) you can do something that feels good every day for for your living well it's i mean it goes back to you talking about blowing glass and that craft and that working with your hands i mean that's got to be part of the appeal as well, right? I mean, just that satisfying that part of your brain. Well, just the creative process in general. Um, that is like I think I feel like that was the largest investment that we made back in '06 when we started, and I feel like today that's still the same investment we're making. It's just like making things um, and 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 embedding ourselves in the creative process uh, and and and. Yeah, promoting what it means to to go round and round in that cycle. So, you, <laughs> I'm still trying to put the rest of the story together now. So you, you blowing glass in Colorado, you fall in love with the culture. So oh, yeah. What brings you? What brings you to Chi Town? School. So I I then. Arts. Yep. School of the Art Institute. So yeah. uh, the museum here, you know, has a 
uh, a renowned art school and I was accepted there and I went there and um, you know it's a very like conceptually based fine arts program which was you know pretty wild stuff and so that was great and I did that and um, I had left briefly to live in New York City um, and then I, ca I came back here and yeah it wasn't that long after that I uh, myself and a couple of buddies started sort of conceptualizing this. Well, not this, but the <laughs> the first incarnation of what Half Acre would be. So, like, when did the homebrew kit, or what, like, what was the what was the spark? Yeah, so homebrewing, you know, early on, um, which was rough and tumble. You know, it's like <laughs> I love that rough and tumble. That's a good. That's a good way to relate it. Yeah, I mean, thinking back, you know, but I, you know, I, starting Half Acre was not based upon my, you know, critical critical success of brewing beer. Um, it was more, was like, dude, I'm crushing this homebrew thing. I need to open a brewery. No, I mean, I like I, I, I will admit, back then, I, I had a certain amount of confidence in, in like all of, the, in all the aspects that I that I felt like I needed in order to bring it together. But I don't know how uh, substantiated <laughs> they re they really were. You know, I know that now. You felt good back, about it, though. It's like, yeah, I can pull this up, and I had nothing and not, nothing to lose um, at that time, and and so I was just like, I was uh, all go for it. <laughs> I'm positive your staff, right? The brew staff here is singing "Shiny Happy People" at the top of their lungs in See, a very hilarious that's, voice. That's it's amazing. This is what we this support. <laughs> And this is what we create at I Half Acre Beer Company. I want to put an application in right now, actually. Yeah. I'm just I actually like, can't what? hear that. <laughs> Can <laughs> we scrub that, that yeah. from Oh, absolutely area? not. That's, <laughs> that's part of the ambiance when you're sitting uh, at a ping pong table. Half Acre is loaded with ambiance. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm feeling it right now. We're surrounded by stacks of empty cans waiting to be filled, and we're sitting at the old ping pong table that came over from the original space while drinking fresh off the line Vallejos, right? Yeah. You got it. Yeah. All those things. Nailing all those things, man. Um, this is going to be out pretty soon, right? In the, back in the four packs for people, for the customers. Um, yeah, this is going to be out in uh, maybe this week. No, Friday. Hitting the distro here. Um, okay, so you, you, you know, you, you're saying you, you guys got together and kind of like conceptualized what you could do here. So how did the process start? Here, here is in this building. Here, not, not here in the building, but, but half acre, I guess, or, or some form of beer company. Oh, er, you're talking right, about right. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm jumping all around we're, we're the storyline. My bad. Oh six. I got here. distracted by REM and and the crew yeah. here. Terrible voices. They Beautiful. have terrible. They're like voices. angels, and I feel like you're underselling them. <laughs> Keep expectations low, guys. Yeah. So um, at that point in time, you know, I I had the the stellar idea to come out with their first beer was going to be a lager beer and because at that point in time really small brewers weren't um investing in lager beer really which which a harder to make a little longer to longer ferment, and, cold. And, and you know the industrial producers were so deeply invested in lager beer the big boys I, were making it, basically. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you know, trying to be smart. Like, oh, let's do lager. And, which I enjoyed lagers. I drank a lot of lagers then. Uh, drink a lot of lagers now, which we can to killer pills today, which I'm psyched about. Ooh. Yeah. New one? Fader, yeah. Nuh-uh. <laughs> so it's new. It's not, a, not a, like a seasonal coming back again. 
No, You're this like, is wait, new. We, we brewed it. We brewed it last year. Okay. Um, but this is the first time we've canned it. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it was on tap rooms, maybe in kegs around. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, maybe maybe it was just in our tap room last year. We brewed it for the Pills and Love Fest, which is a festival totally dedicated to Pilsner beer that took place in Portland, Oregon awesome. last year, put on by Oxbow and. Uh, yeah, Bierificio Italiano. Anyway. There was no hazy IPA protesters out there. Shut you, this Pilsner nonsense down. Well, I, I, it's, we have some uh, friend, Luke, at Bellwoods in Toronto, and he um, he made the most un-Pilsner Pilsner in the world that Whoa. really should be defined by, uh, really, it was an IPA. And you were like, it was pretty strict. Like you can experimental send, You can send one beer, and it has to be a traditional pilsner. So he put his middle finger up and went for <laughs> it, huh? <laughs> he, he pretty much did. It was a killer beer, though. I want to. I want to put that out. Canadians there. are rad, man. They don't yeah, he's around. a cool dude. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's coming out on Friday as well. Oh, I that's think. awesome. Fader. Yeah. yeah, I could be screwing that up. I think it's Friday. It's fine. They'll find it eventually. Yeah, so Lager Beer in 2006, you know, brainchild of mine, and we were contracting it out, work, working with a brewery up in uh, Black River Falls, Wisconsin, and it wasn't the best lager beer in the world, um, but man, it was like the best training ground I could imagine, because uh, in a couple of ways... Hold on one second. <laughs> hey, Chris, can you tell him to stop singing over there? They're distracting him with their, yeah. their god-awful singing. <laughs> They're having a freaking blast Your there. Your voice is terrible, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, I, I hope I picked that. I can hope I could pick it up on the podcast, the actual <laughs> singing. He's <laughs> got the worst voice. <coughs> the and fact he, that you knew who it was oh, lets me know how bad. Yeah. Well, this is a, it's kind of a signature of... Justin Emmons, kind if you guys know him out there, um, you know he has a terrible voice, and he <laughs> loves to sing, <laughs> which is a terror, which is just a, a potent combination. So, what's Justin's role here at Half Acre? Uh, Justin is has the title of senior brewer. Senior brewer. Yeah, I haven't heard one of those yet. Yeah, brewmasters and head brewers and brew managers. So, senior brewer. Yeah, he's senior brewer, uh, a, a deserving title because he's, um, you know, he's not our our head brewer here, and we have you know we have a we have a we have a, a larger staff at Half Acre. We're we're not a small company anymore. Not anymore. Not no. anymore. Um, but you so were at one point. They all were at some point, right? Um, but yeah, we have so we have a, a a larger production staff, maybe about thirty people on the production staff. Um, so senior brewer just implies he's been here for a while. He's, uh, he's old and sings terribly. That's he's not that old. <laughs> he's, he's pretty young. Uh, and he does sing terribly, but he, you know, he, he has a, a strong command over the process and he helps to guide others in the process. Um, so he deserves that, but he does not deserve <laughs> to sing. Not during this podcast. As much as he does. I feel like maybe we should give him a microphone and let him let him just belt a few notes We're going to close with <laughs> Justin <laughs> yeah, on the mic. That is the only way we're going to close. I might actually, maybe he can make the theme song for the podcast. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. Been holding off on an actual theme song. He might be the guy for the job. Today's the day. Today's the day. 
Yeah, so, um, you know, working in that early form incarnation of Half Acre, Sand Creek Brewing Company, making beer with those guys up there. What's Co- that relationship like then at this point? That's like, I mean, here's that, your recipe, it, it was aw- it? It was awesome because uh, those guys were so low-key and a lot of contract relationships are, you know, like alternating proprietorships and there's like a, a heavy legal nature to them and you know those guys then and maybe still now are just like we have extra capacity we'll help you make your beer um so yeah we started out with our own recipe up for this lager beer you know it got we tweaked it with todd their brewer and so are you dumping bags into into you know the the, the units or are you having it do was they back have to do that or is that n- well it, it could it, at that point it could have been any, anything we want but yeah I was up there sometimes and sometimes not. Um, but our main challenge at that point was there were so many things we didn't know. And eventually, you know, working in that setting, seeing things through the, the lens of Sand Creek was like, oh, just like a ton of practical information I was n- ingesting by doing that. And we were able to go out into the, the bar landscape of Chicago and say, we are the, you know, we are half acre and we have beer and we would love for you. We'd love for you to, to work with us. So like an incubator situation. They kind of just, like well, we had an you. office in a small business incubator. Oh, oh um, even better. Exactly. Right. Which so, this ping pong table that we're oh, that's awesome. at right now was there. I feel like I was there now. See, I yeah. touch it. So when you're talking about contract brewing in Wisconsin, though, right? Yeah. So you're bringing the product back to Chicago then? So you you're brewing it? Brewing up there, bring it back here. How far up in Wisconsin is that? It's like by the Dells. Okay. It's like four hours away. So how the hell are you doing that? Are you tr- well, we the work. Truck and oh, yeah. No, no. We're not driving ourselves. We work with a trucking company. Okay. Bring it here. You know, go straight to our distributor. Um, and then. What our kind di- of volume is that? Oh, it's initially. nothing. Like. Couple nothing, yeah. Couple half barrels or well, they have. Um, man, I'm trying to remember if they have a fit. Uh, maybe they have a, a twenty five, a twenty barrel brew house. Oh, okay. Um, God, I don't even remember, which is kind of shows how many beers I've had in between then and now. But wow. yeah, tons, <laughs> tons of beers. Of yeah. beers. Um, so yeah, it, it was small volume, you know, le- less so about the 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 brew house scale than just how how many times we were sending turns through it so mm-hmm. a very small amount of beer but there were certain very dim flickers of hope within that process that said let's 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 build the brewery what are some of those flickers of hope that you're referring to like tastes or or the way it was working you all just, all know. of it you know like we we got a little bit of traction with the beer and and started to i think understand better what it meant to 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 make better beer we started to see like some traction with our distributor and like our relationship with them was was evolving we you know stormed into bars and there were some places both stores off-premise and bars on-premise that gave us a shot and didn't like throw us off in a month because we didn't sell any beer um support feels good yeah support yeah we were growing support that's yeah. what we were doing support of ourselves and and support via via others and it gave us enough courage um and and positive attitude to say let's dive into debt 
Yes. So this is where this is where the financial side really kicks in then at this point in the story. Yeah, well it's where we like we put you know some stuff on the line in a different way. Like first we're just dipping toes in right now, we're trying this thing out, we're doing a little contract work and then now it's like okay, I built the confidence now. I think we can just screw our whole lives up right now and see if it works. Yep, it was that. <laughs> yeah, I yes. mean I was I was already in because I was playing I was playing with my friend's money and, you know, our, you know, my own time and, and resources and, uh, and, and my friend's resources. And so I was already like in over my head. So I needed to make it work already. But, um, then we got a, a financial institution involved and we, you know, con them into thinking that this was going to work too. <laughs> con them. They gotta Kinda. Be, they gotta be smiling now. That's a negative yeah. word. Um, but it was, it was finesse, a little finesse. Yeah. We, but we, we, we struck confidence with them and, and we got a, we got a little, well today, a little loan. Then it was what felt like a gigantic, I bet tidal wave of cash. And, uh, and we bought a, an old used system from Ska Brewing Company and, uh, and we built a brewery on Lincoln Avenue. Wow. So that all that money was basically the premises the equipment just getting your well we rented the building so it wasn't really that so you're um, paying rent every month yeah we're paying rent a, on a sweetheart deal but yeah it was it was it was you know our equipment which that was a great deal too what did you start with Size we started wise, with a we started with the same thing that we have in lincoln right now really which For is real? a, a wow. 15 barrel brew house uh, 40-barrel hot and cold liquor tanks. I think maybe like four 30-barrel fermenters, two 15s, something like that. We have we have more, t- more, um, you know, wood cooperage over there that we can ferment. We have general in general more capacity over there now. But and at one point we had a lot of capacity over there, but we we pulled down that capacity and we built this space. Yeah, because what's what's the brew house like here? What's the brew the house is only a thirty barrel, four vessel brew house, but we just fermenters in that. We just hit it hard, crank through it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We we make a lot of beer here. Yeah, it looks like it, and it feels like it. So at that point, are you are you doing all the brews solo with so something uh, in the you know in the throes of all that Wisconsin stuff um i got an email from a dude that uh eventually i met for a beer and he eventually became our business partner and really who since then i've i've run half acre with matt gallagher and so what was matt's initial email like and how did how did he find out like like, how did he i love i love beer i hate my job do you want to meet for a beer sometime yeah let's roll some fucking dice here man let's do this yeah well that came later but uh eventually we met for a beer and realized that we basically had everything in common and uh we grew up right next to each other we had lived in the same places forever isn't that funny like partnerships bros works out Wives, not so much if you're uh, if you're all the same. <laughs> like, yeah. But something about a couple of dudes that want to go into business together when you have those same goals and stuff, it just works. It it it, it did, and it's you know still does today. So uh, he came on. He was really like 
employee number one slash he came on as a, as a, as a partner and, and we've run half acre together since, uh, in the early days at Lincoln, um, yeah, Matt and I both worked in the brewery and, um, and we had, you know, we, we had another brewer on staff. So Matt's a partner. He's not just a partner. Like he's putting some money into the pot and like, no, Hey, no, do no, your no. thing. Like no, Matt's no, no, actually no. brewing the beer as well. And he's yeah, yeah, down no, and dirty. No, Matt. Uh, yeah. We're yeah. Still totally <laughs> yeah. down and dirty. Uh, and it was particularly down and dirty for a long, for a long time at Lincoln. Well, I could imagine to yeah. get that, to get, to get that part moving, to get it moving. I yeah. Mean, I mean, Matt was like, working on our boiler today you know it was he yeah <laughs> and I, I i don't work in the brewery at this point in time um but you know matt still does turns in the brewery once a week he just can't help it huh um can't stop a grinder from grinding huh <laughs> i'll tell him you said that <laughs> yes well i mean th- i mean i said i say that about mad can't stop it, but Something tells me you were quite the grinder at some point. You were I grind, yeah. I, uh, I grind super yeah. hard, but I my in the, the ways that I grind um, are like they've ev- changed, ever evolving. Yes, it's you know, but but, but circa two thousand eight, you know. We'll, yeah, we'll I was in the brewery, and um, you know, up until, geez, um, really Balmoral was the biggest step, you know, towards you know n- not being a consistent force in the in in the brewery uh, but that was necessary like i I'm, my, I'm not focused my or my energy isn't focused or i need to have focus it in a lot of different ways at different times so um and i think you know being a business owner brewery or otherwise i think it's your responsibility there's there's that justin singer? justin has a wonderful pipes, voice baby. justin they sound a beautiful. beautiful voice. Let's make sure that delicious beer comes off the line. Nobody cares how you sing. Voice. Terrible. <laughs> he lied uh, right to his face, but as soon as he walked away, we got the truth. He knows how I feel. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like you know you have to be committed to doing what needs doing, and that's kind of what I've always done. Um, and today I ride a desk probably more than I than I would like, but uh, that's what Half Acre needs, so that's that's what I do. Right. You just. It's the same concept. It's just in a different setting. Yeah, um, but in terms of like grinding, at um, that point in time when you're, I mean, was was the initial push when you, when you had premise and in a in a brew house and everything was that, we're putting stuff into cans or we're just kegging and trying to get it into can, local bars. Cans or? didn't come until right. 2010. Because that's a hell of an investment on its own too, right? I mean, to get For us, yeah, it was the first new thing that we had purchased, and you know. While cans are everywhere now, we were we were the first brewery in the state to can beer. Everybody six pack bottles and this. You know, it was craft. all yeah, it was a gland of glass back then. So it was twelve ounce and and bomber bottles. Yep, twenty two ounce bottles. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, almost all of that. The dark is, days. No. Yeah, it's all uh, it's gone by the wayside. If you put it in a four pack of cans now, it tastes better. It's official from every craft beer guy on the yeah. planet. Yeah. Well, no. I think. It, you know that that's probably not true, but it, it right. is true that it'll taste the way it it started longer. Longer. So you gotta. Get that's a really that. good way to look at it and put it. I think. Yeah, I mean it's now uh, it's now it buys into the hype. You know, well, when you gonna put that in cans? You know, well, you know, some people have been doing fine in bottles for a while, but uh, yeah, 
it's a better vessel when it comes to, like you said, freshness. Yeah, it's just the best protector you're functional. gonna find. Mm-hmm. So you can't. Uh, you've got a lot of them. Not? Oh, we have a lot, lot of cans. Of yeah, you gotta lot. order them in bulk, right? Yeah. Yeah, we get a you know you get a or really order at least about twenty five pallets at a time yeah. per brand, and there's over six thousand cans per pallet. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> And there's a bunch just surrounding us right now. They're menacing almost. Um, it almost looks like a treehouse ad, I mean, to be honest, with the, the green and the purple ones right next to each other. Yeah, so we, we do uh, – these are actually printed just one solid color, and then we label – we'll wrap those with labels. Mm-hmm. So we do a decent amount of, like, small, quick-run beers that are have labels on them. Which is also Makes like sense. the thing of now, um, but it allows us to not order twenty-five pallets of one brand. We can just order a color, and then we could do a little more flexible. Just a little bit. We love flexibility. I was gonna say you gotta have it right. You gotta be able to pivot a little bit. Uh, so you start getting going in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Now you're bringing in a canning line. So now we're, where's your head at? Where, where's you and Matt? Where are you? Well, and Matt at that point, at? it was a. To- it, it had we sh- got this, bro. We no, got well, this. it had a shift. In the, the type of terror totally shifted at that point. <laughs> the type of terror, because we were still running that from that failure at this point. Oh yeah, but what you know, failure was defined in a completely new way for us because while our beer was was selling really well, um, we were we were constantly running out of beer, and. Then, in the city of Chicago, and I would say most places, but in the city of Chicago, if you get a draft line at a bar, okay, and you run out of beer, that was like a, the cardinal sin. Like you don't Ooh. run out of beer. The uh, landscape is just it's changed yeah, so much today. I mean, I, it is right. you know it's the rotation nation, right? I mean. <laughs> Every bar but is right. Swapping. That person wants to know that when they can, there. I mean, you're making Daisy Cutter at this point. Daisy Cutter's already. Yeah, we have a. You know, we're making Daisy, but Daisy what's Cutter. Your most popular thing. Definitely at this point. Daisy Cutter. Okay. Yeah, I mean that had made had made pretty big inroads. Far more people wanted to pour it than than we could, you could allocate. Yeah. And then even the accounts that we did have, even though we weren't like opening them, the organic sort of sell through within those same number of accounts, it was just cleaning us out. So we were growing as quickly as, which wasn't very fast, but we were we were growing, um, but we were we were getting our asses kicked by it, both on a physical level because we were wor- you know we were working crazy hours in order to n- do our best to not run a beer. We couldn't really afford to hire, and we could just buy batch we, after batch after batch. Yeah, all of it. You know, just like pumping through cycles of, 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 of everything. And, um, and that was like, we were defined by that at that time. Half acre got sort of like picked up and just tumbled by this wave. And, and we were just like trying to find, just trying to surface, you know, terror chapter, like two or three here then. Yeah. Yeah, This was terror chapter I'm going three on that, yeah. Kind of like, yes, this is awesome. Everybody loves our beer and it's selling, but shit, we don't have enough time, space, any, anything to make. Yeah, we didn't have a lot of the, the tools necessary to, to rise up from, from that at that time. So and necessity comes. It's kind of a, a need arises. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are all like the beginning of the classic statement. These are good problems to have. Yeah. Um, that was like what everyone said to us. And we've heard, we've heard a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah, We're like, yeah, but there, these are still problems. And, uh, anyway, so that, that's, that's what we were up against then was, was how are we going to make good on the, on the relationships we had? Um, and sort of the result of that is that 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 shaped Half Acre, and all of a sudden we were a brewery that made a ton of one beer. Um, we didn't have a lot of, we had no capacity to really mess around with. And well, there goes the R and D side of things. We're just there goes the R and D side of things. We're making Daisy Cutter now. That's and in a lot of ways it swept us up into. I mean, we we always mess around with other things. We we were right. we were making other beers. Um, and our store was such a, a definitive part of who we were because, um, you know, that, that's very commonplace now that, that breweries have re- a retail function, but it wasn't then. Our store was, again, like the first of its kind in the state. And Did the store open right away in like 2008? Oh, oh 09. Oh 09. And that was literally, it was just a beer shop. It was just a store, yeah. You could come, you could sample beer. Um, we sort of like rotated who worked in there. Okay. And we, we allowed you to sample beer and we sold you beer to go. How many people are employed at this point? You, Matt, and who are Maybe four or something. You, Matt, and another four, or maybe you, Matt, and two other dudes or gals. uh, Yeah. Well, it depends on what year you're talking about, but in, in early days, yeah. Oh, nine and 10 in that range, there's maybe four or five somewhere in there. Dang. Yeah. So it's, it's. Yeah, scruffy, and uh, scruffy. and there were a lot of hours that that were that were put in in order to make it all click. Somebody's got to be there. Somebody's got to be there, and um, yeah, at the end of the day, that was that was Matt and myself, and so that retail dynamic was was really important because people could come in and buy beer directly from us. So we got to meet them, and they sort of experienced firsthand who and what we were. And it was also meaningful from a revenue side because we got to go from making it in the back of our brewery to selling it for full retail. So cutting out all that extra. Yep, all all that stuff. I'll take my piece. I'll take my piece. I'll (coughs) take my piece. Here you can have the 15% of the profit that's left over, whatever that, you know, whatever the thin lines were at that point. Yeah. But kind of kind of trailblazing. I mean, I don't want to like over oversell it, but now think about it. Everybody's got a space or wants a space that, that you can. Yeah, sell I mean, re- your retail sales of. are critical now to breweries. You know, defining themselves, creating that traction, and also that same revenue idea, so that uh, just like we did then, we were able to. You know, we could buy eventually like a 30 barrel tank and we could increase our production and uh, you're just reinvesting everything anyway. Right? Oh yeah. Everything like just got pumped like back in the business. cars and stuff now. No, 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 no. You got to put it back in so you can do better. Yeah. We've always, uh, invested hustling. Yeah. Right, right back in half acre. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's, that's been, we haven't really seen, um, you know, the business as a driver for our, our personal wealth or anything like that. It has, it has not been that, um, it's your mental health and, uh, yeah. And sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Which it's is just as important. Yeah. There. I'm not saying, you know, there's no like 
complaints or anything like that. But it's you're not uh, going hungry or anything. But no, we're man. doing we're doing just fine. But we have uh, we've pumped our success back into the success of Half Acre. And it shows, and it shows. Um, and at that point, you're you're sitting with this sales space kind of out front. You're trying to balance that with a few people and. You're also trying to find out time to brew that beer uh, so you can sell more of it and get it into more people's hands and more bars in the area in Chicago. So before all that started, were you already like, eventually we need a tap room or was it like kind of well, developed? We always wanted one, but uh, we didn't. Just kind of we dreamish? No, we didn't own wild. the building. And we shared our building this, in the space where our tap room is now was a chiropractor. Jeez, frauds, frauds! No, no they were kidding. great. Kidding. Kidding. Yeah, but but and unbelievably, there was a, a a massage room right in the back, closest to our brewery. Where we're like, you know, blaring obnoxious music, <laughs> making beer or whatever Singing else. Singing Ariana. Yeah, just Justin did not work for us then. Better off. No. But somebody was singing <laughs> something. Oh, at that speak point of the devil. There he is. Uh. Anyway, so it it was around that time, twenty late twenty eleven or something, when we talked to our landlord about buying the building, and pretty quickly it was a it was a go. We we like, yeah, we gotta get out of here. No, they we sh- they struck a, a number with us, and uh, we helped the chiropractor to move. Oh. Like five doors down. That's such a craft beer thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, actually, I mean, he, you guys probably called the realtors for him and helped him. Like, it's 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 such a great industry. Well, he didn't have a lease there, and and yeah, don't yeah. worry, we got you, bro. Yeah, it was it was. Uh, I mean, he was pissed about it at times, but it it worked out fine. We didn't, you know, we made sure it wasn't a uh, an, you know, a, a rough thing for his business. So all of a sudden, we had that space. And then, uh, but we knew it was time for that and, uh, and we could justify it. So, so we went for it and that was in 2012 when we actually got it open. Okay. So how long did that build out take you? Six months. Not bad, right? I've seen way worse timelines. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe by, you know, some like restaurant group standards, they'd be like, huh, if it takes longer than three. Yeah. You're, you're rookies, but we were rookies. So, (laughs) but we got it done. We got it open. We, we loved um, and love the way it it looks and feels, and it was that de- it was that next step in being able to connect people with with what we do, who we are, um, and that's been again such like a a, a wonderful tool in uh, continuing on that dialogue of what Half Acre is and and what we what we aim to do. Right, like you tasted it and you've seen this little space. Now let's check out this tap room and we're going to really show you what we are and who we are. And I mean, that. how much of that did you get to... I mean, we we walked through this this current Balmoral tap room to get back here to the back area uh, where we're, where we're kind of away from it, but that tap room, you pointed out the tables and stuff. I mean, at that point in, in the Lincoln tap room, were you that involved in making you know helping out making tables and kind of putting your own touches on it well the whole thing is our you know the way it looks completely is you know we we made we designed it so our architect said you know 
we're going to lay out tables like this. And we basically, everything else you see in there was like we sourced it and we said we want this there and this there and this look like this and take out that section of the wall. We're going to put an anvil in there and, nice. you know, we're going to, we just bought these old panels to a, you know, a grain elevator and to make these the walls. And so, I mean, everything you see in there is a direct, uh, is a, is a direct result of our choice. Now, what kind of uh, trajectory or evolution did you see once that tap room opened for the brand, for the feel of the brand, for the popularity of the brand? I mean, um, well, at that point we were like, we had embedded ourselves, I, I think, as uh, as something in Chicago. You know, we were fairly well known. Chicago is a massive place, you know, and I think in order to really embed yourself as something that exists in Chicago, that that's a big, big deal. Uh, it's a massive city with a with a ton of things happening inside of it. Right, because it's a city, but it's also a south and a west and a north and an east. Yeah, south, it's like know? whatever ten million people metro and and so many institutions that exist here. Um, that I think in order for you to become like really a thing in the city of Chicago, like that's a feat, and I and we were approaching that for sure. Um, a lot of people knew about Half Acre, a lot of people had associated positive memories and, and connections uh, with our beer or even our brewery. Um, that said, we were, all of our beer was on allocation. We weren't really, we weren't adding accounts at all. Trying to keep the tap room lines full and also try to... And trying to just keep the world in beer and trying to make more than just, you know, Daisy Cutter and, you know, trying to fill out our identity. Um, and we pretty quickly could see that in order to take on that next step and really become a piece of the cultural fabric of Chicago, we needed to... We needed to go for another we need another step and that that step was what yeah (laughs) this is it yeah which was not like when did this when did this child get born here i mean the mental thought process well we we started um in you know late 2012 like all right you know we can see the writing on the wall here we're going to cap out uh, we got forced up into an awkward ceiling of production, you know, our, our percentages of what we make and why, and our, our freedom of creativity is, is not what we want it to be. We're going to need to do something else. And we started those conversations. What's it going to look like? What's going to feel like we were also, um, employing awesome people continue to employ awesome people. Um, and looking out at those spaces at that point, I don't know how many people we employed. Maybe I don't know what that number was. I'm not going to make you guess either. Yeah. 30 or something. Um, and I, and I felt committed, you know, Matt and I felt committed to them and like, and in our ability to offer them, uh, great steps in their, in their personal evolution so it was with those ideas that we we started thinking about what it was going to be and we 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 messed around with a, a number of ideas and we we were like flirting with buying this building on grand and 
all these different things uh, building a brewery on the east coast where matt and i are from and long story short we landed thankfully in a place where we we saw this building that we're in right now and it was under contract with another buyer and we knew that buyer and we made a very quick literally two weeks from walking in here as as a partnership and saying like we think this is it from that moment to we walked in here owning it with the keys in two weeks dang yeah yeah so it was one of those i just knew type things yeah we could feel like this this was the right call and it was definitely the biggest leap that we were going to make as a as a as a business as a brewery about what year was that so that was um at the very end of 2013 december 19th 2013 um i went downtown chicago title and we closed on this property um which was a you know our our lincoln lincoln avenue is 12,000 and some odd square feet of everything that's tap room store brewery that's offices all of it. that's the that's whole awesome. thing um and this is two acres you know this is 60,000 square feet of interior space and i like that you measured it in acres yeah half acre yeah well it says that i'm you it's know yeah but in chicago that's like formidable and right and it's got a big parking lot an outdoor space and um and we were buying it you know we didn't, we're not renting this we were we were buying it so we were gonna need to pony up for for that transaction then we're gonna have to build a a big brewery here at least big by our standards brewery here and yep so it was another like all right we're gonna lay this here we go on the line and um and and it wasn't automatic to where i mean it, it felt automatic that it was the right choice but it's taken you know we were under construction for all of 2014 or design and construction and we made wort here for the first time at the beginning of 2015 and uh, it took really from that moment when we were firing the brew house up, staff had moved over because it was really just Matt and me over here that whole year trying to get this thing built to where we had staff here. And it was like, oh, man, we are not what we were. And how do we become the best version of, of who we are now? You know, and what is that? You know what is that reshaping process like, and how do we do it? And then, what point did you open tap room doors here? Then I feel like I may have asked you this, but maybe it took mic. us a while. So we've only had the tap room open for about six months. So, but you were throwing down beer in here for a while. You oh were, yeah, were, yeah. You were, we were cruising for a while, mm-hmm. like two years um plus this is like such a showcase space too for the current climate and beer with that that garden outside and the lights and the beautiful wooden picnic tables out there and then you walk (laughs) into this tap room and i I mean the the tables in the tap room you said were handmade and they're they're awesome everything it's ridiculous it's such a great showpiece for like what you guys are uh, we hope that you are exactly right. You know, we, we want <laughs> no, it to be. No, you don't want to say it yourself, but yes, I am well, saying yeah, on I the mean, outside it, we, we looking try, in. We try to have it to be a direct reflection of kind of the guts of Half Acre. Everything that we've done, we've tried to have it be that, just like this is us, you know, and, and, and not 
try to just phoning in on stuff. When this space first opened, my coworker, a uh, friend of mine, Brad, uh, he, he was out hitting some spots out here, and he loves Half Acre as it was, but he'd never been out to the new spot. It's just opened recently, and it was summer, and it was night, and he sent me pictures from, like, every angle of the interior and the exterior, you know. I'm sitting and getting ready to go to bed with the family here, and I'm like, holy shit, look at that place. You know, I had seen the Lincoln Tap Room. I've seen what that looked like, but this, this is a visual space man i mean especially at night when it's and it was loaded with people like that you know but pretty impressive what you've done i'm not asking you to pat yourself on the back i'm just throwing rose petals <laughs> thank <laughs> yeah. you but i've heard a lot of great things from it so when, when did you know that when did you know that daisy cutter was a thing like when did you when did that become like oh shit we got something here <coughs> um that was pretty early on when after brewing it Anything go special honest. go into that recipe? Or are you just like, we're just going to brew an IPA, and it just worked really well? Yeah, well, it's a pale ale recipe. Um, Tommy Nicely was a brewer that was working us then, and, you know, he, he really gets credit for that recipe. Um, not that we haven't... Hasn't been messed yeah, with. Yeah, we've been, we've been needing it for, uh, for years and, and, and continue to do so, but um, he was the uh, initial parent to that recipe, and... It, it was like the first thing it was just like it just got sucked out of our brewery and uh it was an awesome thing i uh, i praise that process but it was also that thing that kind of uh had us holding on for fear, fear. a little bit you know it was just it, it was just just a lot at times but um you know Daisy cutters like the, the we were doing this this bomber series so all 22 ounce bombers bomber being uh, we use that as a, a reference to a bomb daisy cutter which is a, a type of bomb that our government makes aha, uh, aha. it's always a good story if you ask yeah so that that's kind of where the name came from which is kind of dark but it the, you know it, it got it, we never intended for all this to happen <laughs> the label so. the label's got this flowers on it <laughs> yeah. Well, they're how can it be dark? They're all falling, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's been a, it's been a blessing, and um, and and a beer that I you know, I think all of us here like respect deeply, and 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 that is the that it was always that thing out in front that allowed us to sort of take another step and another step, and it's our it's a foundation beer. Something that you. You you owe some things to Daisy to Daisy Cutter, right? No question. Yeah. yeah, I mean, having a flagship beer is is almost a dinosaur model right. at this point. Right. You know, you can't they don't exist anymore. Or I should say, you can't create one now, or it'd be very very challenging. Or call it out that you did create one because people would be like, "Okay, douchebag, <laughs> flagship my ass." You know? Yeah. Well, I think very maybe few beers that can wear <laughs> that title and wear it with a positive uh, intent. And Daisy Cutter, maybe like Alpha King, like you know, they're, they're beers that can carry that weight and carry that flag. Yeah. I think. Well, it did. You know, like to have that call brand status in Chicago. Like to me, I guess that's like that's it. You know, if you can. That's not something you can do. Only Chicago can do that. Chicago it's can like, p- picks that, right? Yeah, you, Chicago, you don't get to call. It, yeah, you yeah, don't we get don't. To make yeah, that. but Gabe he, didn't say this is my flagship beer. No, Chicago right. said this Chicago is decided beer. it, and they and we people walk into bars like I'll I'll take a Daisy. That's like so crazy. They did that, and that's a, that's a magical thing. Every time it happens, so crazy that you can you can get it sometimes at like the most oddball bar, like you know, and you're, you're just like I don't have shit on the menu. Like, oh, Daisy cutter. Oh, I can get a Daisy cutter. Like, yeah, and that's that beer. Like we don't. 
the bulk of our beers just aren't available like that, but we right. we brew that to worm its way into <laughs> it does it so good. Yeah, I mean there are certain places where we don't sell that beer intentionally, but uh there aren't a lot of those places. Daisy cutters saved me from many a terrible night of there drinking you go. anything, you know, without a little hot punch or, you know, for fear of saying the big boy names, you know, it's it's been there for for me. So on the other side of the coin, uh, flavor-wise, I I'm new to Big Hugs. I I just found out about Big Hugs this past year. How long have you been doing Big Hugs? This was the I think the ninth year. Holy shit! I yeah. suck at craft beer. Damn! Why do I have a podcast? <laughs> Anyways, but no, I, I, eight, I, eight or nine. Yeah, I, I think it's nine though. I think I, just I think had next my year's first ten. One, it was barrel aged and it was out out of this world good I, I it's a beer that i've heard about for the last couple of years but i finally you know as it came back around this year i was able to get my hands on some and uh, i told you off mike a friend of mine mike maxwell is just just love it. he just obsesses about that day in general he's like it doesn't even matter if half acre is my favorite brewery or not my favorite brewery he's like that's the best day of beer release through nice. the well, I'm, that's and you know that's how many beer releases there are now i mean everybody's doing a release or an event or something yeah, and you know, the kind of what we've realized over the years is that that beer is is a unique big release stout beer because it's really not that big of a beer. Um, you know, it's a ten percent stout uh, that we kind of think of as like a drinking stout, is how we've been referring to it. The barrel aged version's a little higher in ABV, and we brew it differently now. It wasn't always like a an outstanding barrel aged beer if I'm being honest but today um, you know the last couple of years the barrel aged version I think is is we feel really proud of it but big hugs as a as a as a standard is like we we, we want to serve that beer in a pint glass you know we don't we don't want <laughs> yeah. that we don't want that beer to be short snifter on yeah it. your little short snifter you know pastry stout I'm going to have three sips and yes um you know, we want that to be like Current consumed situation. in volume. Yeah. Current trend now. I mean, I don't want to call it a trend. They're they're good beers. It's just well, yeah. it's just it's a different. I know the thing. beer you're descri- the beers you're describing right now. Sure. Yeah, but I'm not knocking those beers. We make those beers. I just mean for sure. Um, hopefully, when you know people understand sort of the intention behind that beer, and it's not to go up against a 14 percent. You know, right. bourbon barrel aged. You're not saying this is our answer to Bourbon County Stout and KBS and all the other. Not at all. Know, yeah, Dark we're Lord. S- and no, we're like, and we've been just referring to it as like Big Hugs. The original drinking stout is the is that main version, and then onward from there. Uh, yeah, because you guys do it four pack cans. You do your. Well, that was the. F- this is the first year for this, that. This is the first year. Okay, so it's been in bomber year. bottles every other year. Always. Okay. And it's wax dipped, you know, barrel age versus. So you would do barrel age twenty two ounces and non barrel age twenty two ounces then. Yep. And, and usually one other variant. Some one offs, you know, mm-hmm. like vanillas, things like that. Correct. Gotta love the variants. Gotta love the variants. But explain to somebody who maybe who hasn't done it or hasn't heard about it the, the, what that day is. Um, and how long have you been doing the actual event for that day? I, every year. So every we've ever done since it. Yeah. I mean, it. it's okay. gotten it's gotten bigger um you know some people call it big big hugs day which i don't really like because it's not labeled as such no i mean there is dark lord day and and like that is the day 
and those guys are very good friends from they've three, earned, from they've three earned that. yeah that's that's their thing like that's that's the day big hug you know dark lord day big hug it's just like the day we release big hugs and <clears throat> the way that we look at that that experience is that uh it's just the one the one day that we sell it and we try to make it it's in the middle of the winter or i should say it's in it's in it's in the winter in december mid-december and we just try to make it a nice, pleasant experience uh, buying beer. So we we always bring in a lot of, not a lot, but maybe you know a handful of beers from other friends' breweries, and we give away samples to those beers. And we try to have a lot of creative things surrounding what big big hugs is, and uh, we bring people into the tap room, bring people in the store, and and just try to make a, a party out of buying beer, which. Um, that always housed at the one location. It's now. always at Lincoln. It's always Lincoln. Which there's so many good reasons to bring it here <laughs> at our Balmoral space. Yeah. Uh, but we feel like it would be irresponsible right. for us to do that. Tradition, bro. Tradition, it's bro. City. It's a city that appreciates a good tradition. I mean, yeah. That's why we'll, Wrigley Field will be untouched for so long. <laughs> People just don't want to mess with old. Right until they bulldoze it. Yeah. Yes. One day. One day. But uh, no, the the... The event, though, I mean, kind of describe some of the stuff that actually is going on there. Like, I've heard stories from Mike about, you know, just different food and coffees. Yeah, we're always there. Yep. Our, you know, we, Smell we make hops heavily right now. You oh, yeah. Now? Yeah, hops. they're probably. Just hit me in the nose. It's amazing. Yeah, they're um, definitely going into the kettle with hops getting right after now. it right now. Uh, so the day we, we brew uh, Big Hugs with Dark Matter, um, who, and they make beer with a lot of people these days. Of but course. Uh, we were the you know the first, OG bre- yeah brewery that they that they worked with. The Faker is the OG, and so those those guys are always out pouring coffee for everybody, and we always make something that we just give away to people in line, um, whether it's like, you know, uh, grilled cheese with tomato soup or some sort of like decadent dessert thing, but we're just like going out on the line and giving giving away you know, food to people to make just getting to the store, uh, you know, palatable. Right. It's, there's been a lot of lines people have waited in that are going to be listening to this podcast that did not have any of that stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Cold weather and sad looks while you wait. And we, while you wait and pray the variants are still there when you get there. (laughs) Yeah. Which, you know, we try to do good about, about that too. Not that we've always been perfect, but, um, you know, beer lines are a funny thing. It's it's so common in the beer industry that it's almost like I, I feel it can be taken for granted, and I don't want um, we don't want Half Acre to be a brewery that ever takes that for granted. Like people lining up to yeah, to buy what you know. make is like it's like whoa, it's yeah, it's crazy if you think about it. Like th- it doesn't happen. And I've heard eyewitness accounts of you being the one handing things out in these lines. I so usually uh, keep your pe- eyes peeled for Gabriel. I usually uh, am happy to do that, and and you know most times I'm handing out the, the samples of beer. Sometimes I'll go out in the crowd and hand it and hand out stuff too. But couple sandwiches, couple whatever. Two, yeah, we're just making stuff, and uh, we always have a DJ, and you know we're always uh, pouring a lot of a lot of cool stuff. So it's just hopefully it's just a good vibe event, and. Uh, and a chance for people to come out and buy beer they're stoked about. Those are the only accounts I've had of it. Yeah, Good. So, so it's it's only been positive. Then Doesn't mean I've uh, heard them all, but yes, I have, it's only been positive from what I heard. 
Now, you guys do some stout stuff, or some stout, some uh, sour stuff too, huh? We do, yeah. yeah. Um, which is a newer, newer, I mean, it's been years at this point that we've been investing in a wild program. It, it was like scary for us for a long time. Um, you know, mixing bugs and having everything exist in one small space. But once we had this brewery, we felt good about launching a space at our old brewery where we could um, keep everything sort of quarantined yeah. in, unto itself. It and a little more secure at that point. Yeah, so we that's been over the last few years that we've been uh, nursing that program along. And uh, it's now we have beer coming out of the cove, as we call it, on a very regular basis. Um, and for us, that stems really out of a, taking a step at, in our hospitality program at Lincoln, once we were serving food and here, like we want that to be part of what we offer people when they come to enjoy our brewery. Um, we felt like we, we, we wanted to round out that experience. So a lot of them you can only get in our tap rooms. Um, I not still all haven't had one from you. I know you, you've done releases though of like a sour, right? Sure have. Yeah. yeah. So we do, uh, I mean, a, a decent amount of, of of mixed fermentation or mixed culture beers we've released thus far. And right. I know there's different levels to the world of wilds and sours and you know your Bretts and sacks and all that stuff versus kettle sours and. Yeah, we don't. Um, yeah, so we're we're deeply invested in traditional sour beer um but i don't really like the word sour uh i mean we mixed fermentation is really the way i i like to I think like about that. it mixed fermentation because yeah. we're using different types of, of of cultures to accomplish our fermentation process different um steps in that process typically but sour just sounds bad <laughs> you know it sounds like it I feel like people so closely... It has a positive in my heart. Just I don't know, because that's the first way I heard it referred to, and I enjoyed my first couple when I had them. Yeah, so. but it's A, it's like it's such, yes. a, it's such From a the outside, single, it's kind of like, hmm. Single descriptor. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's sour. Well, it's yeah. also... doesn't even begin to describe what your right. palate's going to go through when, they, when it goes. And I feel like it's so often associated with negative things, like sour milk, yes. or, oh, that, that's gone sour. Ooh, it's too sour. Yeah, so I don't, I don't like the negative connotations that, that trail that word. It feels like a style that nobody has really just, like, crushed in this area. Like, nobody's really just hit it. I mean, I'm sure people have, but... Yeah, you know. I mean, Goose Island should, you know, deserves a lot of credit. I think they... With the sisters type stuff, or... Yeah, early on, they were... They, they've, they've had a, an ambitious um, mixed culture program. Um, so I, they, they definitely uh, deserve a nod for that but uh, I know we, we hope it. to put our own own twist on on it locally but Even nationally is a lot of great breweries oh right right i mean i had my first uh hill farmstead you know that that was almost knocked my socks off and then if you get stuff from like russian river or something if you're lucky enough to try that i yeah, hear that's it, really where it's at but of course <coughs> i mean locally the best that i've probably touched was I mean, I think Drew's doing great stuff over at Sour Note so far. I mean, True it's early enough. on in the game. True enough. But uh, Penrose, Penrose out in the, the suburbs in, in Geneva, man, they, they have a really good program, and they're really serious about it. There are a couple of guys there, the engineering backgrounds, and they love to talk about spontaneous and wild and all that. Yeah, Tom, 
Tom Corder, and he was a great dude. He was also on the podcast. He was one of my early episodes, and I did not have any more fun than I've ever had in front of a microphone with those guys. They were, but they they make great stuff. They make great stuff, and they concentrate on it. I mean, some people just you don't have time to do it, maybe, or you're just not interested in it. But I think, I mean, do you think it's a style that's kind of building, or is it kind of where it's well? There's be? a lot of styles that sort of fall within that wheelhouse, right? Um, I think it has a huge place in modern American brewing without question. Uh, and I think it's like, it's part of the life cycle of, of being a, a beer fan. Like you need to yeah, go out point. and track those beers down and experience what they're like. Um, I'm not sure where it exists on the arc of, right. of beer appreciation. Uh, sometime probably after stout and, and before the reawakening of Pilsner. But, um, yeah, I think I, they will. Uh, I think they have a an increasing audience in America, and uh, and forever will have a, a, a place in um, in sort of more esoteric beer <laughs> consumption. Love that word. Love that word. Uh, yeah, they're, they're just to stop. I mean, I love it, and a lot of I know a lot of people. A lot of the hardcore guys, you know, that are really deep in the beer game, they do they do enjoy that style of beer, but it's not one. It's not going to topple the IPA or the, you know, dessert stuff. Well, it's all like, soon. you know, it's assessing, you know, beer for the moment, right? I mean, you're not going to like, uh, you know, going out tonight, give me a, an yeah. imperial pint of that s- sour Ooh, that yeah. you just made. You know, yeah. that that's that's not it. But um, there will be that time when, wow, it's ideal to have a 10-ounce or an 8-ounce of this sour beer to totally get buried in, in, in all the nuance that, that surrounds that. But, uh, me personally, I like enjoying a sour beer. Um, and I like moving on and, and right. Enjoying things in greater volume. So after a long, hard day for Gabriel, what what are you going home? What are you cracking in the fridge? Um, I mean, I still drink a lot of hoppy beer. Yeah. Uh, it still has me hooked pretty well, which is great because we make a ton of hoppy beer. Uh, Which works well, but this week I'll drink a lot of this Fader Pills that that's come out. I'm excited for that. <coughs> um, and I also we were very very fortunate to receive a lot of beers in the mail from great brewer friends of ours. So like what? What's in your fridge right now? We have a ton of scratch beer. Ooh, I've heard great things about Scratch down there. They do yeah, some really you like, unique stuff. If right? you like sour beer, that's made with they play with some crazy shit like, you've never they heard go of. in the backyard basically and just pick shit and start brewing, right? Yes, that's awesome. That's exactly what that's they way do. Down south, I mean, they right? a lot of things they, that they've also grown themselves. Yeah, or, it's way down south. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not it's. Uh, I'm starting to see it available at some of the bottle shops, like Open Bottle in that uh, in Orland, Tinley Park there. So yeah, it's definitely yeah beer temple. I think beer temple. Yeah, Chris yeah. is usually pouring something from nice. them. Uh, so we just happened to visit them and uh, have a bunch of their beer. Uh, got a great gift package from Fontaflora recently, and um, you know we have a strong relationship with Tired Hands, and typically have Let's get some milkshake IPAs. I don't think I don't have any. Uh, in general, yes, we yeah. we we, <laughs> we we have and do, but n- n- not now. I don't I don't have any there. There's shakes on hand. <laughs> I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about hazy, juicy, 
New England, Northeastern, Double Dry Hop, yeah, whatever the hell you want to call hash it. it hash just it out. go for it. Just, just. I mean, what do you think? I mean, uh, you, you guys know, have done them before, but not, not under like really. titles. Yeah, like, I mean, not I w- like when it was this, what it is now. Yeah. Well, I think I I look at it as different. There's different classifications within all of it, and there's kind of ways of being that you know when when brewers make these beers. Uh, I think like a milkshake, and I you know we know tired hands. Like I I, I understand all that, that that goes into you know the, the milkshake process and lactose, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I see. That's probably the the separator almost the yeah. anchor. But some of yeah, that that's a big part of it. But for us, I think we look. We don't have like okay, we go up to this point and then we stop and we won't do anything beyond that. I think we we explore with different hopping techniques and approach to extracting flavor and aroma from hops, and we always will. Um, trying to accomplish a certain haze level or um, a certain amount of sweetness it was not something we do. Sweetness in particular in IPAs bums me out, <laughs> and it's I, I sadness d- about you when you said that. Well, I just I, I like out. bitterness in beer yeah. or bi- bitterness in hoppy beers. Yep, uh, could be you know the era that I that I came up in beer. I'm not sure, but uh, too sweet rubs me the wrong way. Um, in I think there's also like there's a target of time and place for that stuff. A lot of our beer we are sending out for distribution, and while we monitor our inventory levels really well, and we're tracking code dates, and like we want our dis- beer to disappear quickly, right? Um, we have to be considerate of what of the life it's going to have outside of our building. Whereas in a perfect setting, some of these beers that are going down this this other path or the, the the new england path i'll call it let's say they don't hold up no over they'll, time. they'll get just trashed quick um which you know and, and again in a perfect world there somebody's going to the brewery they're buying that beer they're going home and they're drinking it within four days now would you ever would you ever look at look at something like that like hey let's do one in a very small scale and sell it out of the tap room like something that people are probably going to end up lining up for. They're probably going to take it home and get, like you said, drink it quickly. Is that ever going into consideration? It's kind of like we just can't brew on that small. No, we can. We could definitely, we could brew at any amount in any way that we wanted. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that are, like, targeting that and making that their thing, and they should, and great. And I, like, go bananas uh i think you're not the hater type where it's like no god it's nah, a crutch don't do that yeah no jeez no people nah, should they taste uh, delicious a lot of them are yeah are identify with, with what you want right. what you want to mm-hmm. do and and i say go for it i think for us um uh, we will always kind of shoot for uh the hot profiles and and range of flavor that that we're interested interested in most and typically that that's not really it but we do mess around with different hopping techniques that have like that kind of land in a place that at times get gets close to that but i think sweetness for me is always going to be that right. line and you step over that sweetness line and i'm just like this this bums me out i don't i just don't enjoy some this. balance that you're looking for there yep. yeah yeah and again it, it can it, it they can wind up getting to a place 
like that sour beer. It's like, okay, I've had three ounces of this. I'm just I'm just not interested in the fourth. I've got heartburn and I don't know. <laughs> like yeah, that, that kind of feel. Yeah, I mean, and again, to me, like, the style is one thing. You can talk about styles and do you like this style? Do you like that style? It's if you've had a well done version of that style, it doesn't really matter what the style is. It's is the beer done well? That's and it. Is that yeah? Well, one thing I, I I do sort of take issue with like the New England style IPA as a as a term or as a flag. Yeah. You know, that's kind of it's more of a marketing tool than it is an actual yeah. style. I mean, which I know they just recently classified it as a style of beer, but at it the same happened. time it's a yeah. marketing tool used on things that maybe it doesn't <coughs> belong on. But hopefully those are few and far between. Yeah, but let let's think about that for a second because you know, the BA took that on as a style for judging for GABF. Right. But at the same time, those beers are all going to be whatever, six weeks, two months old, whatever, by the time they're judged. Is that's that how it works? Wow. Yeah. Then those, yeah, that, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> they're going to have to figure out a new system. Yeah, which that, I think that system sucks for beer judging, for anybody. period. Yeah. Um and I think the Brewers Association should adjust their format. Perhaps they will. I've said it here. With the urging of Gabriel. <laughs> I haven't taken that up publicly until now. Until now. It's publicly to all these millions of listeners. That's what we'll say, millions. Um, no, the, the, it's a style. I mean, it's one thing, but a, a well-done beer, everybody knows. You know, Everybody can, can sense that and taste that. It doesn't really matter. Uh, do you, how do you guys utilize social media now at your size? I mean, you got a crew. Like, is there specific people that handle that? Is there tapper managers handle it? And you, you still we have one person that um, that handles you know all the social media feeds. And apparently, my brain went hype social media. <laughs> and that's where I went. So. Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, yeah. So we do have one person, Meredith, that handles all that. Oh, Meredith was very w- good with me. I sent a message, and she was you like, got it. I'll get you some people. And I was like, can I have Gabriel? <laughs> she was like, I'll see. There you and go. And boom, here we are. We're Here we here. are. See, she does a great job. Yeah, she was amazing. Um, and then, you know, what, what is said, or, you know, she may be the one writing that text, or I may write that text, or whatever else, but we look to it a lot. It's really all we do. It's huge. We don't have any traditional advertising, anything. Like, we don't do anything, but right. we do that. You don't have any Super Bowl ads or anything? Next it's year, yeah. we're going to have. Yeah. When the Bears are in the Super Bowl? Several Super Bowl several? ads. Okay. Yeah. All right. I get it. Yeah. Th- that's it's, it's great because it's kind of like a, I don't want to say even playing field, but it's it's nice because the littlest brewery that I talked to and now you being one of the biggest breweries I've talked to and maybe the biggest, you all use it. I mean, it's all I it's mean, pretty at, much at all you use. There's no one that doesn't use it. Right. Really. And if you're not emphasizing on it, you know, it's I mean, and again, things change and, it, and it's ebbs and flows. And right now this is. Yeah. It's a big time I can't thing. imagine this one going away, right. but but maybe. But the form of it would, might change. You know, it might change the dynamic of how you use it and when you use it and how detailed it is. You know. Yeah, that could change. And it and it b- matters on your scale, I think, too, of how you utilize it. Like some of the smaller guys, I love when they're just showing me 
shots of them pouring hops in and they're telling me how much of the hop and what hop they're using and why they're using it. A big guy like you guys, you might just want to see, like, this is coming on the candy line today. Check this out. Boomerang. Boom. Instagram. Back and forth. Here's the cans getting filled. Like, you know, it's 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 just, it's cool to watch the differences. And We've never boomeranged. I won't Damn it. it. It's a shame. Is it is it by choice? I don't know. It's a, it's a hard, fast I've uh, never rule of half acre. Yeah, no boomerangs. There will be no yeah. boomerangs. I can see that in the, the monthly meetings. Uh, anybody it's an unwritten rule. <laughs> so is there, I mean, is this the first time you, like in half acre's existence where it's like you're not looking to this next huge thing? Like, Are you slowing yeah. down a little bit where you're kind of like, okay, let's be for a second. Let's be for a second. Yes. And we'll make some tweaks. Like. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, you know, in terms of an external, like, redefinition, it is. We are not looking to make any... Uh, well, we just we just started another business, so Son that's kind of that's kind of bullshit. Yeah. You're just driving this thing way off the yeah. so But, I mean, it's just like the, a creative studio venture? where we make stuff. This okay. is an extension of our wood shop that we had here, but right. we, we moved it to its own building, and, and now we're going to make uh, a bunch of stuff for us and other, other probably, you know, brewers and other people. So what's the thought process behind that? I mean, is that something that you were like, dude, we could, like, totally make this something, or was it kind of a group idea? Like, yeah, we talked <laughs> about it. I mean, I believe in it. You know, I, I want to make – we've always made a lot of stuff at Half Acre, meaning physical things. We right. work – oh, like, I have this – you know, this buddy. He's who not talking about beer, guys. He's no, no, no. We're talking about literally beer. making things that exist. Yeah. So, like, Other oh, I got this beer. buddy that makes this stuff. Let's let's work with him. Like, I, we have an idea for this. Let's talk to him. Let's make this. And then we, you know, there's this guy, this painter I know. Let, let's have him do a custom piece for us. And you know, that's hanging, you know, in, in the tap room at Lincoln. And let's talk to this dude about making a two-headed donkey for us. And who doesn't want one of those? Yeah. You need those. Uh, <laughs> so we've always done that, and we would like to do a lot more of that, but just do it in-house, and yeah. uh, and we want to. We'll help others to like do the same far? thing. How far would you th- see this going? Like, like I don't you're know, making bar tops or something, or like you know, just like basic decor. Like, is that? Um, yeah, I mean, we actually sort of business model. We, in we place? have a, a job coming up with doing a couple bars for a place, but. Uh, we we have a CNC router there that like a like a computerized router mm-hmm. where we can feed it artwork and it will carve that artwork into wood. Like a three D printer for wood. Um, it's not three D. It's yeah. a three axes carver. You right. know, router, not a five. The five is where you get. That's where it gets crazy. Yeah. Okay. We're not ready. <laughs> you'll you'll get there. Maybe we'll get there. But as long as it's you know breaking even and and you know, it's kind of fun passion it, it's fun but it, it just it allows us to connect more deeply with a lot of stuff that we're making already like our own tap handles our own signage our own pos like we make all the stuff is created right now but we, yeah. we source it out why do we do that yeah like hey we don't want to do some stuff guys we can do stuff are you blowing glass for people i mean you should be blowing glass no i i so haven't all blown these glass. glasses are not hand blown by <laughs> that's just bullshit i know that's bullshit that's uh, that's a <laughs> lack of vision. That's a lack. Yeah. See, no, yeah, you bum me out by talking about desk jockeying and stuff. I feel like the wood thing you need that. Like that's yeah, kind of piece of kind of need that. Um, but that said, it has its. You know, we have our shop manager there, and so I'm not going to be 
uh, behind the router very often myself, but I design all the pieces for it. So right. I draw it all. And, um, so yeah, that's a way of like, and you also draw and probably well, I take it. Uh, <laughs> now well. that you're going to, again, you're not going to toot your own horn. I get that about you at this point, but no, you know, that's, you have some creative side to you. And also again, a I nice went, combination I went to ethic. art school. So right. no, uh, I get it. Yeah. You can go to school for a lot of shit and not be good at it. That's you true. know what I mean? That's true. Uh, I've met very few guys like you that have the, the right combination of drive and grit and hustle along with that creativity and that softness to like just make things and, and design things. And uh, I think Drew Fox was one of them. Uh, yeah, no it, doubt. It's, it's people that I, that I really enjoy talking to and that's why I wanted to reach out. I've heard so many great things about you in the industry and just from event talk and you know people that have met you in the past so i was like i really would like to get get to talk to you and now i feel like you didn't disappoint so that's all that's all i wanted to say about about that i'll stop uh commenting and complimenting you so much but i appreciate that fanning out right now sorry uh, is there anything else you want to cover i mean you got wood stuff wood stuff coming up you got cans coming off lines you got this beautiful tap room you got two of them that people can visit like, is there any events or anything coming up? Any can releases, bottle releases you want to? I mean, we always have events and releases coming up. But, um, no, I think as as a, a brewery owner, as a brewery and, and a body of people, I think all of us feel super fortunate to kind of be where we are in all this and um, be able to do what we do here and, and, and have it support our livelihood. It's it's a very fortunate position. So, uh, yeah, to Anybody listening, thanks for uh, for drinking the brews. We appreciate it. Well, I mean, in the, the amount of choice in 2018 now. Staggering. To just be able to still see people walking out of every li- local liquor store with something with the Half Acre logo on it, it's got to feel pretty good. I mean. It does. It feels great. But uh, I will, like, you know, credit where credit is due. We have uh, 120 employees here. Uh, a lot of which it's a big operation now. It's a big None operation. To be ashamed of. But a lot of people we've had incredible retention over the last decade. So a lot of the people that are here um, have, you know, blood and sweat all over this place, and uh, they deserve an equal amount of credit um, to this result uh, as I do. So, um, yeah, th- there are they are half acre and. Um, yeah, super cool to be to be half acre right now. Right, and you're not here by accident. I mean, that's it speaks to the work that you've put in and the work that these people have put in, whether it be from the past or the current staff here, all that. Uh, I hear the food's pretty good here too. Yeah, <laughs> I hear there's some dynamic shit at both places, but it's a different style. <coughs> totally different at both places. Uh-huh. So um, you can just buy bread, right? You can just bread. buy bread. Just yeah, bread. if you want to come here and just, just gnaw on a loaf, bread. you can do that. It's fucking amazing. Oh, do you have like a bread spread of some sort? Like that well, we have a yeah, we have a full menu? you know bread baking program here. So yeah, you can just come and get a um, you know a plate full of various loaves that we make and uh, awesome. Yeah, bread. How basic and load up on the carbs is that? while you're drinking delicious beers. Yeah, don't 
Don't let the uh, nutritionist fool yeah. you out there. All those things are keep you. You can leave your keto wonderful. shit at the door when you walk in here. That's right. it. <laughs> but Gabriel, I really, again, I really appreciate you doing the podcast. Uh, I know you got enough stuff to deal with uh, than having your little local podcaster come in. So it means a lot for me. It means a lot for the show. And I think people are really going to enjoy to hear more like a personal level of, of Half Acre and what goes on and how it, how it all came about. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Unless there's anything you want to add, I'll go ahead and let you have the rest of your day back. I'm good. Cheers. Thanks again. Cheers, guys.